0: Less Doing episode 109 with Chris Ducker of the New Business Podcast. Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Less Doing, more
1: living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizel, and this is The Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate and outsource everything in your life including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Optimize. Automate. Outsource. Optimize. Automate. Outsource. I love it. Gets me pumped (laughs) up. Felix and I are now trying to record these live, which means that I get to listen to that intro that Felix so masterfully created every time that we start this. And it just gets me jazzed. Awesome, Felix. All right. So uh, today is interviews with Chris Ducker and uh, Chris is one of the, the big names out there in terms of outsourcing everything and uh, his business particularly and he lives in the Philippines uh, and has this huge team working there for him and it was a really really cool conversation but we got a bunch to talk about so let's get to it. First of all I want to make an announcement. Yes. Yeah, so this podcast episode which would Hello
0: of- everyone by the way.
1: Yes. Yeah, sorry Felix hi. You had me so pumped up I'm like dancing here yeah uh, so so this episode is sponsored by Ben greenfield's rev yourself and ben uh greenfield is a friend of mine he has been on the episode on the podcast a couple times I've been on his he is doing a entheos virtual conference with 25 plus experts including myself from December 15th to the 19th so when this episode comes out you'll have a few days to get registered and get in there. It is completely free, and you're going to hear from people like me, uh, Mark Sisson, Dr. Joseph Mercola, which is a pretty cool thing that he got in there, Peter Atiyah, Jeff Spencer, Doug McGuff, Jeff Hunt. He's got some really, really great people in here, and it's it's going to be really valuable. So, And again, it's completely free. So check it out at uh, entheos.com slash rev yourself, and uh, there's a link in there specifically for, for us. So Thanks, Ben, for sharing that with us and for including me in it. Thank you, Ben. That's awesome. So uh, there is an article on cool material, or just a list rather, of the best books under 100 pages every guy should read. And as less doing is all about efficiency and time and reading is important, as we've talked about before, this is a really great list. And I'll just tell you the top five that they listed. And one, it's Bartleby, The Scrivener, which is Melville, The Metamorphosis by Kafka, I Remain in Darkness by Annie Arnault, The Turn of the Screw, Henry James, and Utopia by Thomas More. No. Utopia came out in 1516. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. And uh, wow. all of these are under 100 pages. But there's a, list of, uh, there's a list of 14 books in total. So if you haven't read any of these, you should. So uh, The Call of the Wild is one of them, which I'm, su- I'm actually surprised that that was less than 100 pages. That was a really good book by Jack London.
0: Here. Now I'm wondering if um, no, I haven't read it, but um, but I certainly anyway. Um, <laughs> I was going to say as, as a, yeah, I noticed most of those were public domain. Now, could you have that emailed? A lot of those could be emailed you a page a day, and you could read it over over a hundred days or less than a hundred days. Right? That's what, you know that's the way that you read the Herman Melville. Um, you know, maybe yeah. That would be a good way to do it. Yeah, with it?
1: daily lit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there is a Kickstarter campaign I want to talk about called Pantelligent. Did you see this?
0: Um, I did not. No. Okay, so this. No. This, tell I, me about this.
1: This is kind of ridiculously geeky, but it's also really freaking awesome. This is the Pantelligent, which is the intelligent pan. Cook everything perfectly. It is a frying pan that connects to your iPhone. <laughs> so. Basically, yeah. So it's going to give you step-by-step instructions of preparing almost anything you can put in a pan, and it's it's going to be checking the temperature constantly. It'll tell you when you need to flip whatever you're making, or uh, you can cook anything. You can cook steak, you can cook eggs, salmon, whatever. And now
0: uh, I know what to get my dad for Christmas because he is he's not experienced in the uh, in the kitchen, and um, (laughs) but he loves his tech
1: well this is so cool i mean it's going to tell you when you need to flip something based on the temperature it's actually monitoring the temperature of the pan
0: really wow
1: and it'll tell you when it'll be done i mean this is so cool to me Uh, so you could
0: cook your omelet from um from your office yeah yes exactly have someone else and give them commands turn it over now
1: just run yeah exactly right (laughs) Yeah. So basically you get a text saying that you need to flip it over and then you text your <laughs> wife and say, hey, go flip the, go flip the steak over, <laughs> uh, or get a task it. Yeah. So anyway, Pantelligent, I like it. I think it's really cool.
0: Maybe, maybe they could take it a step further and have like an add on, which has a robotic arm that comes in and does the flipping and, you know, for you. And then it would be completely automated. That would be nice.
1: Yeah. Like in, uh, in the beginning of Back to the Future, with the thing that makes all the dog food for Einstein.
0: Ah. <laughs> that
1: might be a little too obscure, sorry.
0: Yeah, it's even going over my head.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, so this is pretty badass. There's a service called Alfred at helloalfred.com. And it's like a task rabbit, kind of, what it seems like. But basically this is a, I guess it's like a butler service, but it's, it's $99 a month. And they will do things such as uh, gro- getting groceries, doing laundry, dry cleaning, cleaning your house, uh, going to the pharmacy, picking up packages, getting things tailored, kind of like those basic things that are just, I guess, really annoying and can take time. But this is basically, you're going to get your person. And this is not that dissimilar, I guess, from like a rabbit that you would have come regularly. That
0: would be great. I mean, you're going to have to be in New York City for this, right?
1: Uh, I think it's New York, and I think it's, I think it's also in Boston. San
0: Francisco, Bernie Jones?
1: Probably, yeah. And I think Boston, actually. So it's oh, it's a cool that. idea oh, though. Yeah, so basically, got, they get yeah. to know you. They get to know your habits and like when you need things done. So you don't even have to call them, kind of thing. It's like oh, uh, th- like they'll know that you're out of milk, for instance, and they're going to come put more milk in your fridge, that kind of thing.
0: That would be really cool.
1: So it's interesting, and I think for ninety nine dollars, it's actually a pretty cool price point. And uh, you know, the, the laundry done the, the examples they give is like at the end of the long day, you come home to laundry done, neatly folded and stacked in drawers, mail sorted and packages waiting, fridge stocked with your favorite drinks and snacks. Uh, so it's it's just like that extra hand is what it seems like, honestly. Yeah. So it's cool. And I'd, I'd like to see, I don't think they've actually officially launched yet. So I'd love to see how they do when they do.
0: Wow. Yeah, that does look really cool. Yeah. I like the look of that.
1: Uh, so there was a study in uh, Science Daily, or it was pre- presented in Science Daily. It was actually from the European College of Neuropsychopharmacology. And which is the study of drugs on the brain, basically. So basically what it was said was birth season affects your mood in later life. And uh, you and I discussed this a little bit, but kind of interesting that it was saying that, for example, hyperthermic temperament, so a tendency to be excessively positive is significantly higher in those born in the spring and the summer, uh, whereas those born in the winter were significantly less prone to irritable temperament than those born at other times of the year. So... You know, there's there's obviously a lot of generalization that could go into this and how you sort of figure that out. But it is pretty easy, I guess, to decide, you know, this this group of people was born in this month and generally speaking they have this kind of temperament. So I, I guess this is a scientific version of looking at like your zodiac sign. You know, when everyone's when someone's like, Oh gosh, you're such a Virgo, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's actually more likely what they're referring to. Kind of cool. So huh. check it out. See, when you're yeah. born and see what if the temperament matches. I can say that now. I was born in September, and I I would say that I am I, I am prone to a less irritable temperament than than some other people. I tend to be pretty calm in general. But uh, yeah. So, and those born in autumn show a significantly lower tendency to depressive temperament than those winter. Yeah. So, if you're thinking about having kids, maybe maybe plan around this nine months. <laughs> don't want your kids to have a impressive nature.
0: wow that's funny
1: yeah uh although i'd be curious to see if any of that has to do with the mood of the mother in the season of the birth because honestly like a lot of people get kind of blue and depressed in the winter so maybe you know if the, and besides being nine months pregnant and that having its own effect on hormones and stuff if if a woman is in the winter, not feeling like her best anyway, and maybe has a little bit of seasonal depression. Maybe that has an effect on the way that the baby is born and then their temperament later. I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm thinking this kind of thing needs to. Um, I think it needs they should send this to like you know they that service you were telling us about that could where you can ask a million people or a thousand people.
1: Yeah, crowd vibe.
0: Yeah. Anyway. I'd like to see if that be verified or not.
1: Through our own study.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Okay, so uh, there is a website called Eat This Much. And I like these sites sometimes. Um, This one I do actually like. So what this does is it basically, it's like smart meal planning or sort of autopilot meal planning is what they're calling it. And basically you put in, the calories you want to eat, which is—I'm not thrilled about that—but it's okay for this. I, th-
0: I thought this looked really good, and you know, I'm—I sent this to my wife, and I'm waiting to hear what she says because I think it's—I think she might really like this.
1: Well, it, it, I think it's—it's it's helpful for planning, and what I like about this too is you can choose Mediterranean diet, you can choose Paleo, uh, and the calories and the number of meals. You know, so I've gone through periods where I really like eating six smaller meals and. Uh, now I'm back to more like three meals, but so I just put in six thousand calories in three meals, and I like to eat, uh, let's say ketogenic. Why not? So we'll go with an Atkin slash ketogenic, which would be a high fat, low carb, and moderated protein. And so the breakdown that they give this is a, this meal that they're presenting or here, or this day rather, is 58 percent fat, 24 percent protein, and 18 percent carbs. So breakfast, they say, a fluffy omelet with cheese and spinach, bacon, and non-fat Greek yogurt. And I don't know why they would put non-fat Greek yogurt. So that's weird. Uh, lunch is honey mustard chicken sausage kebabs, Chinese broccoli, and sour coconut bonbons, which sounds amazing. And dinner, hmm. okay, well, this is dinner is roast quail because <laughs> everyone just has quail in the fridge with balsamic <laughs> reduction, roasted cherry tomatoes, with <laughs> mint, and zucchini with thyme. I mean, it all sounds delicious. Uh, so, but that's for the ketogenic diet. I, I think that my diet is probably okay. more like a Mediterranean diet.
0: Well, no. I'm putting in 2,000, this is for my wife, 2,003 meals. Okay. And we've got a fruit yogurt smoothie, one shake with some pecans in it. Um, Lunch, peanut noodles, she likes those. Oh, nice. With zucchini ribbons with tarragon and sea salt edamame, she might like that. Dinner, five-minute pepperoni pizza. Oh, let's have a look at that. You can look on more info. Um, the shot of the pepperoni pizza does not look anything like a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> is,
1: is it paleo pepperoni pizza? Uh, is uh, it looks
0: like, it looks like some, um, a load of broccoli, which has had some cheese spat all over it and then burned in the oven, um, with, um... With some bits of pepperoni somewhere, but I can't, they're not visible. But anyway, I, li- I like the where they're coming from. Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh no, but with vegetable mito soup. But well look, this is, um, but I like the fact, you know what I like about this is that it can, it gives you all of the info right there. Um, and, and it gives you, you know, it sort of shakes up your diet because half of the time it's hard to like think of something else to come up with and keep it interesting. We just revert to what we know how to cook generally.
1: Uh huh, that's true. I, I agree. So anyway, it's worth trying. You know, it, it might give you some ideas, and it might help. For like, sometimes the planning is what makes people really lazy about this stuff. So yeah. Uh, okay, so there is a service called Fountain, and this is cool. There's like all this doctors on demand kind of things now. These all these apps where you can you know call up and you get a doctor and video conference. And you can show them what's going on. This is, mm-hmm. this is a similar idea, except it's for anything you need help on regarding the home or garden. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think this is actually kind of cool. So like you're you want to clean out your gutters, right? And there's like something wrong with the gutter, and so you can pull up this thing and be like, "What's the best way to deal with this?" And you'll get an expert in five minutes, and they'll tell you what you should be doing. Uh, Or you could be like, "Oh, I really need to replace like this uh, these stones on my garden or something." This, This patio is all broken up. Like, what's the best concrete? Or what's a good quick mix concrete I can use to fix this? And they'll tell you, oh, this is what you want from Lowe's or whatever, and go get this.
0: That take. is really cool. Yeah, I like so, idea it, of that, yeah. Very how much is it? Five bucks. Okay, each time.
1: Yeah, so five bucks, uh, start at five bucks. So this might get you 12 to 15 minutes in categories like gardening and plumbing, or 10 to 12 minutes to work with an interior designer to restyle your living room, or seven to oh. eight minutes with an architect to ask deeper remodeling questions.
0: And do you cool. know what kind of, how they vet the experts or how, how that works?
1: I don't, but uh, they have a, pro- there's a thing here to become an expert. So I'm, there must be a process that they have. and Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. So Very interesting cool. ideas. Niche, but definitely useful for certain things.
0: Well, I wonder if I could sign up to be an expert on logic, for example, and then people can... Um... I can actually get paid to do what everyone calls me to do anyway. Well, that's (laughs) just fix their logic problems.
1: I told you that you should get on clarity many times. You should be on clarity FM.
0: Clarity. Oh, that's the one
1: that, you know, they charge by the minute.
0: Oh yeah. But that's, but that's for, um, no, what I mean is to like open myself out to the rest of the world to, um, Yeah. yeah, no, I, I do charge my, um, do charge my, you know, my clients, you no, know,
1: no, no! But that's why clarity protocol, is a public thing, so people could look you up and be like, "They need help with logic," and then. You
0: know? oh, okay. Oh well, I better get on with that right now. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry um, about that. You're dead right. Okay. <laughs> well, moving on.
1: <laughs> um, so the next one is called, it's called Less Mail by Robin Labs, and this is interesting. I haven't actually been able to test this. It's on Android, and basically, what it is is they call it a email assistant. And the video is pretty amazing. Basically, yeah, that,
0: I, I had a look at this list. This, this does look impressive, but I wonder how on all earth it works and how. Anyway, go on. I'm interrupting. Sorry.
1: Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, so it's basically in the video, the guy it, the, it's like Siri on steroids. Like she's telling him what the email is and he's like, you know, tell him, tell him no. And then she'll be like,
0: yeah, oh, I'll so, so, so the, 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 the email comes in saying, um, Andrea so-and-so is asking if you would like to have the meeting at five o'clock. And he, and, and the guy just replies, um, yeah, let's go ahead and schedule that, for example. right? And they say, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. You know. Yeah,
1: and then they write some... some but,
0: I can, but, the, but we all know what it's like with most voice dictation. I generally personally find that Siri only reliably works at home in, in Wi-Fi. Otherwise, if I do it in front of my wife when we're driving in the car, even though I have like, you know, 3G reception, it's just embarrassing and it we wait 20 seconds and it says, I'm really sorry about this. I can't carry this out at this time. But anyway, that's just Siri. But often what happens is you, you say yes to something and then they think it's a no. And that's um, that would be my concern with that kind of thing. But maybe they've probably thought of that and built in a button so you can cancel the voice request if if it misunderstands.
1: Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh so it's cool, it's very promising looking and that's that would be if you know people want to like do their email in the in the car or something it's a, it's a nice option.
0: Well, it, it, but it, he's also at home when he's doing it and um he's working on something else and then he can just say yeah, sure and sort of without being distracted. And I think that's, that's a really cool feature. Basically, I think it would work really well if it works the way that it's supposed to work. Um, it's, and hopefully they'll come up with an, an iOS version.
1: Yes. uh, Yes, exactly. um, Okay, so then the very last thing I want to mention is there was uh, an article on cooling inflammation, which is a really cool blog, about a new book called Fermented Vegetables. And it's creative recipes for fermenting 80 vegetables and herbs. And fermented vegetables are great because they help to repopulate your gut flora, and they really do make you healthier, and they're great for your immune system. Plus, they taste delicious. So if you can, you know, ferment your own sauerkraut or cabbage or kimchi or pickles uh, or just vegetables in general— uh, personally, I think that they're it is awesome. Fresh sauerkraut is delicious.
0: Oh, so so fermented vegetables is is sauerkraut? Is that what you mean? That's one.
1: Yeah, that's one. Is, it,
0: is that the same as pickled? Or yeah,
1: pickled would be fermented also.
0: So so just your regular Polish pickles are those? Is that fermented food?
1: Uh, y- yeah, it, I or mean, it dep- yes, it depends. No, they are all, of course. But if you're getting like really commercial brand ones, then they're going to have pasteurized them or killed a lot of the good bacteria that you're going to be getting. Uh, okay, But it okay. is still, it, it's better than nothing. It's still like a prebiotic in that way. So uh, fermented vegetables are, are really wonderful for. And,
0: and how do you go about, have you ever done, made any of your own fermented vegetables? Have you ever eaten this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so the sauerkraut's, well? sauerkraut's the easiest one. You know, you just basically take cabbage and you put salt on it and basically like put it in a, ca- in a, uh, for like a week with some water and that's it and then you got sauerkraut and but you know that's that's the most basic kind there is then you you can go way beyond that people get really into their ferments and um using certain cultures and bacterias and and the vegetables they use or i mean you breads you can actually you know sourdough is fermented sour i mean it's a fermented uh yeast basically to make the sourdough so there's there's all sorts of ways you can ferment stuff and uh it's fun. And this, this this book is a really good example. It gives you some really good examples of how you can get creative with it and do it really easily.
2: Oh,
0: I'm interested to check it out. Yeah. So. I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, so oh it's great. It's I'm great a total newbie to that. Yeah. No, I thought it looked good. Yeah.
1: So that's all we got for this week. Uh, well so... I've got I've got some oh, as Sorry, well. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
0: No, no. Um, <clears throat> so I have just checked out I as Regular listeners may know I have an iPhone 6 and um, and I use Google Calendar for everything. I love Google Calendar but I often have problems implementing it uh, getting it syncing with iOS, with my iOS calendar and generally have problems with um, looking at my Google Calendar on the iPhone but I've just come across this really nice looking Google Calendar app called um, calendars 5 and it is it's, gr- it's just gorgeous so uh, I highly recommend if you're a Google Calendar user checking out Calendars 5, I mean it really is like a it looks just like the, um, I've tried a lot of these different calendars and but this one really looks like the best and you can, it also has the sort of um, one of the coolest features is that it has the sort of um, natural understanding of when you type in, so you don't have to scroll to find the the date and the time. You can just write, you know, meeting with Ari at ten fifteen, and it will it will understand that in the prediction, and you can correct it if if not. So that is really cool. Nice, right,
1: and so, yeah, and it's made by Readle, which is a which is great. Readle makes some nice products, so oh, okay. or nice uh, apps rather. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Felix. And- Thanks for sharing that. And uh, next uh, next episode, we're going to be talking with Jesse Kaplan of Parcel. So this is, uh, this is a good episode. And enjoy the interview with Chris Ducker.
0: That's right. Okay, we'll see you next time. Thank you.
2: And now for Beecher Interview.
1: So now I'm speaking with Chris Ducker, who runs the New Business Podcast, and I have been referring to you, Chris, uh, to many people as the master outsourcer. So thank you for talking to me.
2: Thank you for that illustrious title and having me on. It's all my pleasure.
1: Well, cool. So now I talk about outsourcing a lot and I've talked to outsourcers a lot, but you have done from just a little that I, I mean, not the little I know about you, but the little that is out there in the world that you've done a lot of it. So do you remember what the first thing you ever outsourced was? I'm really curious. It's a
2: good question. Uh, I, I, I mean, you would have thought I would be able to recall that particular task, but I can't. I mean, I was, I've been in, I've been within the outsourcing industry in terms of actually working inside it for close to 12 years now. So it's, it's been a long time, but see, when I think of outsourcing from all those years back, um, I'm, I'm talking about more corporate based outsourcing, so call center facilities and things like that. It was only really around 2008 that I got involved with VAs. Um, and I mean, I, I guess probably looking forward, looking backwards even further than that, I probably did outsource a few tasks here and there. But um, for the love of me, I, I, I cannot remember what they were. But it was 2008 when. Uh, I really started to, <clears throat> to utilize VAs and we started to um, do a lot of uh, web work. Uh, we became a lot more active on the internet as a business ourselves. Um, uh, and I run and I still run uh, that business a 300, almost 300 person uh, call center here in the Philippines. And so we became really active online, very, very active online. And uh, obviously all of our design and development and SEO and stuff like that was done via VAs. That was my first sort of real focus into the VA world of outsourcing, but as an industry, I've been involved uh, in it usually more than you know, longer than most people I meet up with. Put it that way.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. That that that's fair enough. So I, I'll tell you really quick. My very first outsourcing experience was that uh, I was I my first book was on green building materials, and there were 180 materials in it, and. I'd worked on it for a year and a half and right before it was going to go to print, the publisher said, okay, now you have to call all the companies that are in the book and make sure that they're, contact information is up to date and there were 180 companies I was like there's no way that I'm going to do this so I actually that was my first experience hiring Indian virtual assistants to do that for me and their team got it done in like two
2: days so uh, that's that's, that's the exact type of task something that's time consuming incredibly you know repetitive uh, and, and low level honestly and that doesn't take anything away from the people that end up doing the work but you know there's a corporate structure in every small business for a reason and you the the you know the top of that structure should not be doing those low-level tasks. That's for sure.
1: Exactly, and I want to get more into that discussion in a second, but I, I'm just curious where where did you miss the memo that you're not supposed to move to the remote place you're outsourcing to?
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> I yeah, it, it, it escaped me <laughs> somehow. It escaped me. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, you know, being based here in the Philippines, um, it, you would you would think that all of my staff or a large majority of my staff would be spread out all over the place right because I'm in you know a if not the VA outsourcing haven Um, but it's funny you know I, I still have large majority of people actually coming to a facility every single day. You know, we run a corporate business. We also have other subsidiaries under that business. But it's, um, you know, you'd think I'd have hundreds and hundreds of VAs spread, spread across the entire country. But, the, you know, the, the, the real kind of stark reality of it is that I have, you know, six VAs that are, um all around the country uh, and everybody else that works for me is in the facility each day so it's kind of a weird situation you know being here in the philippines and it, you know the funny thing is that i actually now outsource outside of the philippines as well so i have a web developer that's in switzerland i've got a transcriptionist that's in the united states and you know, it just it is one you get the best people for the right type of jobs
1: yeah absolutely so and i just i found that so Interesting to me, and and maybe you can speak this too because I feel like you're probably the only other person who could verify this. It's just a feeling that I've had throughout the years because now I've outsourced you know thousands of things to dozens and or if not hundreds of different kinds of talent. Have you found that there is like this geographical sort of shift that happens uh, for different kinds of talent? And, and like specifically, what I mean is. Five years ago, if you wanted a virtual assistant like India was the place to go, but now if you want to go out of America, out of the US for a virtual assistant, the Philippines is hands down the right place And this by the same token, I feel mm. like graphic design, you know, you used to want to go to, uh, well, I'm not even sure what you're used to, but now Eastern Europe is like a great place for graphic design call centers. You're looking at Philippines and Costa Rica. Have you, have you noticed that there's like that shift sort of that happens?
2: I mean, I I think as any industry matures and becomes more kind of steadfast in their approach to growing, that you'll find that there'll be some front runners geographically, you know, country-wise that will pop up. Um, You know, the Philippines has been very much so on the outsourcing map for the last decade or so. Um, But, you know, again, you know, you've got a book called The 4-Hour Work Week" by Tim Ferriss, you know, to thank for, you know, I you know, really kind of putting everything up to the next level VA-wise. Yes, India definitely was the front runner when it came to VAs, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, but the Philippines, I think what what attracts people to the Philippines above and beyond everything else, and this is the, one of the reasons why we set up virtualstarfinder.com here, was because, you know, we knew that be, because of the communication level of the Filipino, um, in terms of written English, verbal English, that sort of type of thing that the Western bosses would soon catch on to this. Um, and they have. And, uh, you know, you can pick up, like you say, any outsourcing, you know, book or article a magazine or blog post. And everybody talks about the Philippines. And it's funny you mentioned Eastern Europe for me. Um, you know, that's the real hotspot right now for developers as well, whether it yeah. be just a simple WordPress guy or maybe a UX developer or a mobile app developer or whatever. And so it's it's strange, you know, how things do, um, you know, what, you know goes around, comes around sort of type of thing, but in a good way, uh, not a bad way. And for me, it's it's been really interesting to see how things have developed, particularly here in the Philippines. And, you know, it's a real career now. Like this has gone beyond... The freelancer mentality of the workers where they'd be happy to hop on to one of the job posting sites like Odesk or something and just make a few hundred bucks a month here and there and do nothing for the rest of the time. You know, these same people now, three, four years down the line, they're looking for that $1,000 a month job for that one person where they can genuinely build a career with and, and be part of a team, but just part of a virtual team. And so it's it's been very interesting seeing how the industry is unraveled. And I think, you know, when you speak about Western markets like the US, Canada, UK, Australia, p- places like that, these markets now are, they're not looking at the Philippines as just a place to find somebody to do low-level tasks. They're looking at those you know environments geographically to find people to help them blatantly build their business um, and bring people on full-time. And that just gets me really excited as a guy that's involved in the industry, obviously.
1: Sure, of course. So the, the two questions that I... Or not questions, but two uh, hesitations that I hear from people all the time when I recommend... And by the way, I, I tend to recommend that everybody try working with a virtual assistant at some point because I believe that it is a educational experience for them in terms of how to effectively communicate and delegate their needs to somebody who's not sitting right next to them. But the two que- the two hesitations that come up a lot and I'm curious to hear how you would respond to them is when someone says first of all, I don't even know what I would have a virtual assistant do for me. I love that one. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one is I'm so busy I don't have time to explain this to somebody a virtual assistant.
2: Yeah, I mean, so for the first one, you know, I I, I wouldn't know what to give them. Well, I mean, yeah, this is where I tell everybody to do my three list of freedom exercise where they break down all the tasks that they're handling day to day into three different lists. So The first one is a list of things that they don't like doing. The second one is a list of things that they can't do or they're struggling doing. And then the third one is a list of all the things that, as a business owner, they feel they shouldn't actually be doing. And that's the toughest of the of the two, uh, rather of the three to put together, because they might like doing those tasks. They might be very good at doing those tasks. But again, the question is, should they be doing them, right? So once that exercise is done and you see those three lists of tasks very clearly in front of you, you can then at that point start grouping those tasks together into roles. And I always say you should hire for the role, not for the task, um, to make sure that you build a team properly. And, you know, that will give you a virtual brain dump almost of all the things that you can and should be doing uh, with the help of VAs. Um, You know, I I could quite easily say pick up a copy of my book or go to my blog and read the 500 plus articles on there. But that really is, is where it really comes down to is those three lists will give you all the tasks that you need and should be outsourcing to VAs like tomorrow. Uh, it's really that simple of an exercise. And I mean, to, to answer your second question in regards to, well, I don't have enough time uh, to train somebody. Well, you, know, you really do have, as an entrepreneur... Two options at this point, and I always say that time is our most valuable commodity as an entrepreneur. It's our MVC. We should invest it as wisely as possible. And continuing to burn the candle at both ends, working sixteen hours a day, seven days a week, is not being a smart entrepreneur. It's just being a very busy, stressed-out entrepreneur. Uh, and unfortunately, society as us to believe that the you know the definition of success is working your ass off. And that's yeah. not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I class myself as a, a moderately successful entrepreneur where, you know, financially I'm comfortable. I give jobs to a few hundred people. I service corporate and small business clients and I'm very happy doing what I do um, and I only work 20 hours a week. So there's there's no reason why uh, that can't be working for anybody else as well, regardless of the size of the business. But, you know, the the real thing here is that can you, can you afford not to find the time to train somebody in those tasks? Um, And, you know, to caveat that, I I get a lot of people say, well, I might as well do the task myself because I can do it faster than training somebody how to do it, which is sort of the same sort of thing as what you said. And, yes, that's true. But if it takes 45 minutes for you to lay out a blog post after you've written it in terms of embedding images, you know, bold, italics, Embedded in maybe a video, doing the subtitles, the links, all the rest. of it. That's a 45-minute job right there in WordPress. Why not just hit record on ScreenFlow or some other type of screen capture software and talk through the task the next time you're doing it yourself? Then export that to a video, dump it in the Dropbox for your VA to look at two or three times and learn how to do that task, and then never, ever do it again yourself. Why would you not do that? Why would you carry on doing it yourself? You know what I mean? So th- there's always time that you can make whilst doing the tasks yourself to go ahead and just do a simple video recording and train your VAs up on those tasks, particularly the type of tasks that we're doing over and over again on a weekly basis. You just got to be smarter with your time.
1: Right. Exactly. That it's, it's so hard to get people sort of out of that mode. And, and- I, I, it's funny when people almost get offended by this, but I, I tell people that 95% of the things that you do on a daily basis, and this applies to the person I'm talking to, it applies to me, can be done by other people or other things. And it's that 5% that only you can do and do better than anybody else that you want to be able to focus on. And it's so hard to get that into people's heads. So, but now, not, you know, not just VAs. Okay, so the, obviously the, we could talk about virtual assistants till the cows come home, but uh, there's all sorts of other outsourcing too you mentioned transcription as graphic design. So what 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 are some of the more not bizarre, I guess, but maybe some of the more unusual things that you tend to have outsourced?
2: Well, I got one that hasn't been beaten. <laughs> I, I've got one that is so obscure that I already I, like I, it. I, I I I beg of your audience to try and beat this one. <laughs> we had a client at Virtual Starfinder probably gosh, maybe 3 years ago now. Um, come to us. Uh, it, it was a it was a gentleman that emailed us and said, um, "I know this might be a little out of your your norm, but I'm looking for uh, and I and I've already done my research. I know the Philippines is is full of them, but I'm 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 looking for a registered nurse forward slash, you know, um, uh, 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 birth sort of type of expo. What are they? What are they got? Midwife. That's right. Right. So I'm looking for a registered nurse slash midwife. To be on call, this is so good, Ari, to be on call pretty much 24-7 for the next six months because uh, I'm traveling with my business and my wife is two months pregnant currently and I want her to have someone to call on whenever she has a question. <laughs> and can, can you do that for us? And I was just like, you know what? Usually I would say no to this.
1: <laughs> Why? That's so awesome.
2: Weird. Right. But what? I mean, it's so out of our scope. And, yeah. and You know, I, I think one of the reasons why Virtual Starfinder has become so successful is because we know our sweet spot. And our sweet spot is not virtual midwives. It's, it's general <laughs> VAs. You know what I mean? So, you know, we tend to focus on what we're very, very good at, and that's GVAs or general VAs. So it, it was so out of our, our comfort zone. But I said, you know what? I want to do this. Let's see whether we can make this happen. And we did. Uh, To the point where he actually asked the hospital, he was based, I think, in Texas or somewhere, he asked the hospital um, if the, the midwife VA could be live at the birth via Skype. Wow, because his wife and the v a had created such a close bond and relationship over that six month period up to her giving birth that she just didn't want to be without her. The hospital did not allow it because they were scared about getting the birth sort of uh you know <laughs> um you know broadcasted to the internet and whatnot but um but, but but yeah, bottom line was that, uh, you know, that she actually wanted the VA at the birth. And I believe actually, and this was a few years ago, but I believe the last update we had was about a year and a half ago on this. And apparently um, they they ended up, the couple ended up getting a visa and flying the Filipino VA out to the US so that she could meet the little boy, uh, the, the, the baby, um, uh, six, eight months after he was born or whatever it was. I can't remember now. But I mean, that's about as obscure as you can get as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that that's really seriously out of the box when it comes to outsourcing. So you can literally outsource pretty much everything. Um, I always joke and say that the only two things you can't outsource are, you know, picking up your dry cleaning and parenting. Other than that, uh, you should, you know, you should do those things yourself, potentially, but. You
1: Why know. picking up dry cleaning? Well,
2: because they're usually on the other side of the world, aren't they?
1: Oh, oh for a virtual assistant, yes, right, yeah. sorry. But yeah, you can yeah, outsource yeah. it. I mean, of course you got to task- I mean,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't picked up my dry cleaning probably for seven years. My PA does it for me. So there, there you go. go. Okay. But yes, yeah, you're right. I mean, ultimately, uh, it's doable, but it, it, it's a little bit more geographically uh, required.
1: That is that is true. Wow, that's a good one. That definitely beats my best one, which is hiring an architect in is, Egypt. So
2: <laughs> hiring hiring an architect in Egypt. In Egypt, see, that that's almost pale in comparison, Ari.
1: <laughs> that is is—that is absolutely pale in comparison, my goodness. The only reason, I, well, so it's an interesting one for me because it's very high-level work, but right. uh, the the difference in pay from what they charge there. Oh, my gosh. I, I literally had to, I, I told her that I would not continue working with her unless she let me pay her double what she was charging because it was just, it, I, it was insane. Um, and right. she works better than any architect I've ever worked with, so...
2: There you go. There you go. No, I mean, it's, you know... Again, you know, anything that can be done at an arm's length is outsourceable. Um, there is actually a firm right here in Cebu, which is where I'm based here in the Philippines, where um, I believe there's close to probably 30 or 40 full-time architects, engineers, and contractors working within an office for US-based clients. Um, and they handle very high-level uh, you know, uh, projects, a multi-million dollar business, and they're right here in Cebu. So anything's possible.
1: Sure. Well, and, and on that sort of level have you had any experience dealing with people needing to outsource uh, legal work so like legal reviews or briefings oh yeah Absolutely.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't know of any lawyers myself personally that, um, you know, that, that have done that work. But you know, again, uh, you know, except for the fact, obviously, you've got different, you know, governments and, and laws and things like that to consider. But I am I'm sure that there are particularly in Manila, in the in the capital of the country here. I'm sure that there are several lawyers that work for uh, clients from overseas. I'm, I'm sure of that fact.
1: Yeah. So because that's something that I, I think has been coming up more and more. My uncle is a lawyer, so I've looked into that once. And I also have a friend who does sort of contract law stuff in America. But it, it's it, I think that there's this barrier that that people are getting over a lot more now. But the idea that n- not only do they have to get over the barrier that the person doesn't have to be in the office with you, but the fact mm-hmm. that they can get over the the idea that they don't have to be in the country. And what I mean is not from like a communication standpoint, but. For instance, the the architect that works for me in Egypt, she works for me on something called LEED, which is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, which is a green building standard that is global. So Mm -hmm. it's it's the same thing with law. People, I think a lot of people just assume that if they're not in this country, then how could they possibly know U.S. law?
2: (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. No, absolutely. And and I think, you know, that's just the perfect example of, you know, Literally, geo arbitrage and motion, right there. I mean, again, you know, things have changed. The world is 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 still the same size, but it's growing, um, and I think that people's mindsets are shifting very much so. And I, and I don't even think you know, a term like virtual assistant will be around for much longer, which instantly dates my book. Um, (laughs) Virtual freedom, but because it's right there, baby, throughout the entire 300 pages. Uh, But I mean, yeah, I do. I kind of feel like it won't even be virtual. I mean, it might still be virtual staff. This is the reason why I started not using the term virtual assistant, all that much over the last year or so, because I can see things shifting. Virtual staff is slightly different. That's you know that that can mean something a little bit different than just a virtual assistant or VA role. But I, yeah, I believe things are changing. I, I think that businesses are now realizing, like you say, that you know they're not bound by geographical constraints any further like they were before in the past when it comes to finding the right people for the right jobs and roles. And so, yeah, I think things are going to be very interesting the next three to five years. I'm, I'm curious to see how things unravel.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And actually, so on that note too, in that vein, what I find and what I sort of strive towards also is I, I like to automate as much as I possibly can using things like IFTTT and Zapier yep. and you know other things like that. And I feel like outsourcing is the last step, you know, when it really only can be done by a human and there's less and less that requires a human at this point, which which I actually think is a good thing because you're getting to this point where the the virtual staff is able to do higher and higher level stuff because a lot of the other stuff is being automated away from them.
2: Sure, absolutely. I I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, you're not the only one that is utilizing those types of, you know, those types of tools. There are hundreds of thousands of people out there, if not millions, that are doing exactly that. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that it'll only continue to get more and more and more automated across the board. Uh, And I, I think that again, it's, it's just going to be, I'm just super pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the next three to five years. We've come such a long way in the last three to five years. Um, it's incredible. It's just incredible.
1: Now you mentioned the four hour work week. So uh, do you, (laughs) I, I think that most people who really do a lot of outsourcing see some holes in some of that stuff, but, uh, do you, what does your work week look like?
2: Um, well, I certainly work more than four hours. I can tell you that yes. right now. Um, I think, you know what, let's address that very quickly because I think what Tim did was he wrote a great book that ultimately ended up creating a generation of entrepreneurs uh, absolutely. or at least at least people that wanted to become entrepreneurs, whether all of that, whether that happened for all of them or not, we'll never know. But um, he did a great job in, in getting an amazing book out to the world. And it has changed the entrepreneurial landscape for the better, I think overall, Um, because it got people thinking about, you know, how they run their business, and and you know how they should be running their business, and I think it's definitely helped a lot of people bring a little calm to that entrepreneurial storm that we sometimes have to weather. And I think also that it, it was it was timely; it was it was the right time for a book like the Four Hour Work Week when it came out in uh, in late two thousand and seven. So I I, th- I think it's important to you know um, establish that credibility. I mean, we don't really need to for Tim. We all know he's a great writer and mark and everything. But um, I think it's very important. You know, here we are so many years down the line and I hope he does something really special for the 10 year anniversary when it comes around in a couple of years. But I think that, you know, the overall message of the book was great, but a lot of it is unrealistic. Um, and, you know, you, you cannot expect to be able to build a business working four hours a week and have that business be successful. You, you can't expect that. If you do, then you're going to be, you know, proved wrong very, very quickly. Right. Um, I I work now, I work around 20 hours a week. My usual work day is uh, I wake up at around usually 6 a.m. Um, I have some quiet time on my own before the rest of the, the house wakes up around an hour later. And in that time, um, I don't touch technology. Uh, I might maybe look at, my Twitter real quick on my phone or something along those lines, but I do no email, no writing, nothing like that at all. I usually spend that time either reading or just literally gazing out of the window, and I'm not exaggerating (laughs) that. Um, So, you know, that's my quiet time. That's my Chris time on my own. And then I will either swim or do yoga for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes or so, and then the rest of the house wakes up and it's all you know, sort of 100% full on up until around about noon when uh, my youngest goes to school. He, he, he's at school between 12 noon and 5 p.m. And so that's when I get my work done. They're my five hours each day. Um, and so, you know, with the odd occasion like we are right now, we're recording this podcast at 9 a.m. my time here. This is not usual for me currently. Um, but because you're such a rock star, I had to make... You well, know,
1: thank you. Time
2: for it. <laughs> I'm making you feel good. But um, no, I mean, this is not normal for me to do a call around this time is quite abnormal. Um, and so uh, that happens. And then, you know, once I have those five hours, that's kind of focus time. Uh, 95% of the time I'll work out of my home office It's where I'm most comfortable It's where I've got everything I need. Uh, but then once a week, I'll usually go into the facility for two or three hours worth of meetings and just to sort of be seen and give some high fives and bring some donuts to the team. And that's sort of type of stuff. Um, but really, that is my work week. I do not work Fridays. I only work Monday through to Thursday. So it's 20 hours a week, ultimately. And I have a three-day weekend, which my family obviously is very um, thankful for, and, and myself as well. Um, and that's it. But I want to state, it wasn't always like that. You know, I've, I've been running my business for a long time now. Um, and, you know, the time that I spend on my businesses today is spent purely on Content most of the time, whether it be podcasting or doing interviews like this, or writing or shooting videos, or whatever the case may be. And and actually, as an entrepreneur, my my focus over the last twelve months has been nothing but virtual freedom, uh, the book, and speaking. So I've done a lot of traveling this year. Uh, Going into next year, we're going to refocus and recalibrate on the businesses. Uh, We're launching another business in the second quarter. So it's all kind of hands on deck and things like that. But I do want to state that it wasn't always as sexy looking as it currently is right now with the whole 20-hour work week. Um, You know, I was your typical right up until the end of 2009, your very, very typical Stressed out, overworked, um, heading towards burnout, 16 hour a day, six days a week entrepreneur. Um, And I did hit burnout and it was painful, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, everything. And it took me a while to, uh, to get over that. So, you know, be very aware of the fact that you do have to hustle, particularly at first. To, to make it happen. And, and and as I always say, chase it down because it's not going to land in your lap. You've got to chase it down. Uh, but once you've got it, uh, then is the time I feel to, you know, really start looking at how you're running your businesses uh, and start delegating as much as you possibly can so that you can ultimately start working On your business instead of being trapped working inside it. Uh, And that's what happened to me in late 2009. It became a very clear realization that I wasn't running my business anymore. My business was running me. And so I had to make changes and that's exactly what I did. Awesome.
1: Yeah. And that's, I I really like laying it out that way. And actually it's similar, uh, different, slightly different, scheduling since my kids are at school uh, from nine to two, but basically a very similar schedule to yours. So, so Chris, the last question that I always ask on the interview is what are your top three tips for being more effective? And that can be, you know, virtual staff, it could be anything, but three tips for being more effective.
2: Well, I think first and foremost is to schedule everything. Um, Everything that I need done goes on my schedule. So if I need an hour to write, that's going to be on my schedule. If I need 40 minutes to do social media, it's going to go on my schedule. If I need you know, time for a 20-minute power nap, it's going on my schedule. My schedule is very strict, very, very strict indeed. And so that's the first thing. If you want to do something, get it scheduled without a doubt. Um, second thing is you know, whenever anything lands in my inbox or on my desk, the first question I ask myself every single time is, can somebody else do this for me? Yeah, I've become I, I've gone complete. I'm done complete 180. Here. So it's, it's it's like before I used to say to myself, oh, I can't give that to anybody. I've got to do that myself. Now, I don't want to do anything. I want to be as lazy as possible. So it literally every time something come, comes, you know, comes to me or lands on my desk or in my inbox, I say to myself, can somebody else do this? And I'm very blessed at this point in my career um, that because of the team I've got in place, 98 percent of the time. It can be done by someone else. So I always say, do what you do best and delegate the rest. Uh, and that's a phrase that I've been known for online. And, and I truly, truly live by that. I truly practice what I preach. And so that's the second thing is to just delegate as much as you possibly can through your daily workload. Um, and third, I would say to not to forget to have some fun. Um there's usually around a 30 minutes in between those 5 hours that I work where I take a full blown break. Uh I get outside. I might throw the frisbee around a little bit. Um I might you know just dip in the pool real quick and do a few laps. Uh sometimes I I just go for a walk around the neighborhood. Um but that that the ability of getting switched off and in the middle of your work day and just going and having some fun outside. Uh, and just kind of just forget about everything just just be in the moment and and just enjoy what you're doing i do that every day and i believe that you know after i come back from that uh, and i get back in the work mode for the next you know few hours that i i'm very productive and extremely uh you know in terms of the level of output it's very high because i've had that chance to allow my brain to kind of switch off completely and rest and enjoy uh just being in the moment so they're my my three tips
1: and those are, those are
2: awesome ones. So,
1: so, Chris, we're going to have links in the show notes, of course, but where's the best place for people to find out more about you?
2: It's all over at chrisducker.com. Or if they want, they can follow me on uh, Twitter, at Chris Awesome.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. That's been It's been a really good conversation. And I know that you and I could probably talk for a long time more, but uh, I really <laughs> appreciate it.
2: We'll get the opportunity to do that over a beer at some point, probably. Absolutely. Hello, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.